This, This is, is Yawa, Yawa Radio. Radio. This is Glass Hour Full with me, Steve Twine, and where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full. So you're listening to Glass Half Full. And, you know, if you're a regular listener of this program, you will know, well, what it is all about uh, when I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, the guests that uh, share their stories that may well resonate with you. And if you're feeling that your glass is not quite as full as you'd like it to be, well, this just might make a difference and resonate with you. So I'm off to uh, Portugal today. So how wonderful is technology? And I'm joined on the line by uh, Elaine Godley. Elaine, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Glass overflowing. Glass overflowing. Wonderful stuff. <laughs> and how's things in Portugal? Cold. I'm sat here with several jumpers on, gloves, boots, socks. And wow. uh, I'm in a stone house. Um, it's cold because I'm in a stone house. Um, the weather outside is very sunny. It's about 17 degrees, but I'm staying in somebody else's place at the moment. And we're on a hill and the wind is is biting. So wow. I'm not complaining, though. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. No, at least you've got 17. I think we've got about six over here. Yes. <laughs> so, Elaine, you've got an incredible story. So, um, yeah. So, so where do we start with it then? Where would you like to start? It's it's difficult because I'm I'm I've reached my 65th birthday last week, and I can't believe it's like I blinked. One minute I was 15, and the next minute I was 65, and. Um, by the time I was 25, my mum said that she thought I'd lived the equivalent of three people's lives you know, right. by, by that age. So I suppose um, uh, I could talk for days. So I'll just I'll pick out some highlights, I guess. Yeah. Before um, you do that, what, Elaine, before mm-hmm. you do that, what made your mum mm-hmm. say you'd had three lives by the age of 25? Uh, well, I was on my second husband. Right. Um, I'd been in the police. Um, I had... Um, started training as an accountant. Um, I'd uh, been a national competitive sports person and represented my county at national level at swimming. Um, I, I, I've just done every day. I just done so much. Um, and I was, I started a business with my second husband and we were doing very well. Um, it, I, I just packed so much in and I was only 25. I when I had my first daughter then, my, well, my, my daughter when I was 25. Wow. Yeah, it's a busy time then. Quite an exciting yes. time. Yeah. Hey, so so was was there a point when life changed for you? Um, I approach life, every day is, is special. Every day is a gift. And it sounds really cheesy and corny, but... Um, I just enjoy every second. My dad died when he was only 46 and I was barely 19. I just turned 19. Um, so I know how fragile life is. And my dad was similar. He, w- he was a police inspector and um, he played a lot of cricket. And it was actually cricket that killed him uh, with the cricket ball bashing on his thigh uh, constantly. Um, and so I suppose... At the age of 19, um, I knew, well, before then, because he was ill before then, um, that you've got to just grab life and get on with it. But I think a big part is my personality style. Um, I'm a very resilient type of personality style, which is not 
everybody's um, cup of tea at times. <laughs> right, okay. What do you mean by that? Can be a bit forthright, do you mean? Um, ever so forthright, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, very forthright, yeah. <laughs> right, okay, cool. So, so, so tell us some of the challenges that you faced in your own life then. You know, you, you talked about the business and, and, and then that business disappeared and health-wise and things um, like that. Well, yeah, the business did really well for um, seven, coming on eight years. Um, and in that time, I had my daughter when I was 25. But I was in hospital for 10 weeks when I had my daughter. I had a near-death experience and all sorts of things went wrong there, um, which is why it took me 12 years to have another child with my next husband um, because I wasn't going to go through all that malarkey again. And something <laughs> similar happened again, but that's, a, that's another story. But, um, yeah, the, the, the business was really successful. Um, I thought everybody... Uh, celebrated at the rate that we were celebrating, um, drinking a lot, um, entertaining a lot, fancy holidays, fast cars, you know, so on and so forth. Um, not realising that my husband of the day was actually an alcoholic and all this business success actually uh, was fueling the problem. Um, so so that was that. And um, domestic abuse got involved um, to the point where he got bound over to keep the peace and find a sum of money um, and had to stay away and this, that and the other. Um, and then I found myself homeless with my daughter. By this stage, she was uh, seven, seven and a half thereabouts. And uh, I remember walking the streets, trying to find somewhere to live. And in the 80s, nobody would take in a single mum, even though I was booted and suited. And I'd picked myself up and gone into London to get a job um, while he sank into the, the beer bottle. And... Um, it was really difficult to find somewhere to live. Um, the house, the family house got sold um, and I was expecting some money from that. And it turns out he'd forged my signature and um, there was nothing to come. Um, wow. So I literally had to, you know, pick myself up by my bootstraps with a young daughter and um, no support. So um, eventually I found somewhere to, to rent and um, that was very helpful because the lady kind of almost adopted myself and my daughter she she was a single mum but she was quite she was actually a titled lady and um, she and I got on well together and she became ill and um, then asked me to look after her other cottages Uh, I lived in a a row of cottages with my daughter and she lived in uh, a couple of others that she had um, uh, just nearby so I looked after her cottages and then one day she said, I'm going to sell and I'll give you first refusal. Then I couldn't afford to buy. So I um, I bought part of it. So I bought part on um, part on mortgage and part on, you know, a promissory note to her, you know, and, and eventually. So that got me back on the property ladder and so on and so forth. But in the meantime, um, I'd been working in London and I had uh, started as a lowly administrative assistant for a firm of accountants um, somehow or another, I stayed in corporate for 12 years, not by design by any means. Um, but during that time, I did a master's degree. Um, I came out um, with an MBA in legal practice and ended up being chief executive of a law firm. And um, I ran a big team uh, for a, a big business practice for, uh, with over 200 staff. Um, and um, everything was was fine until 1998, and I'd had enough of the corporate staff came out. And the last 20-something years, I've been uh, self-employed as a business consultant. 
But when you when you were climbing the ladder then through that through that corporate world, mm-hmm. Elaine, was it was it a bit of a mixed emotions that maybe you didn't really want to be there, but you you were you needed to be somewhere if that makes sense. And the personality style that I have um, is what we call a DI. So I specialize in the DISC model of behavioral profiling and I'm a very high D and a very high I. So that's all about challenge. Um, If high Ds aren't challenged, they can be very mischievous. Um, (laughs) High I's like to have fun, excitement. So both of those together uh, make people like me a bit of a nightmare. There's only about 3% of us in the UK, um, thankfully, at one (laughs) level. Um, But... um, it also, uh, a lot of business uh, people have got high D uh, profiles. Um, we're not one particular style. We, we've, we've got all of the DISC characters in, uh, in us, but um, typically you have two that are stronger than others. Um, so my, my kind of foray through corporate um, from lowly, lowly assistant to, to, to chief executive was a series of stepping stones and each of them was a completely new position so I was able to invent the role to mold the role to me so that was a perfect challenge for me so um I did I wasn't there begrudgingly um at at first I was um but um then I used the the situation to my advantage and I learned lots and I was welcomed because the when I did my master's degree um I was invited by the professors there to actually give talks to my peers who were all lawyers and barristers you had to be a lawyer a barrister have worked in the legal profession for x number of years before you were allowed on the course and when I looked at the syllabus I thought well I can do all of this I I know I can and um, but I didn't have any business being on the course and uh, somehow I managed to get myself an interview and the professor said we would welcome you with open arms because you will bring to the course, whereas everybody else will be taking from it. And it wow. doesn't matter that you don't have a first degree. I didn't even have an A-level. Um, I left school just barely age 16. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of the place. <laughs> and um, the, and I used to bunk off a lot as well. So half the time I wasn't there, or if I was, I was on the sports fields. Um, so um, it was my business experience that they were interested in. And, and I a couple of lectures particularly on credit management which is one of the reasons there were others but one of the reasons that the, 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 we lost the business well so so when you came out of there then and um and where, where did life go after that was was everything rosy or were there more challenges that you uh, had to face more more challenges um my, i mentioned that i'd had uh, my son 12 years after my daughter and um things weren't <clears throat> too happy with him and i just thought i'd got to uh, a challenging son and the fact that I was an older mother by this stage and people were saying well girls and boys are different behaviors different and so on um turns out my son is autistic he has Asperger's syndrome and we didn't get the diagnosis till he was 12 years old which is round about typical age that you get the diagnosis um so I'd I'd started being a business consultant um, and I had a, a client down in the West Country. Um, they had children who were not autistic, but they were severely challenged in, in various different ways, um, such as dyslexia in, in different forms. So um, they went to a private school. So the mother said to me, why don't you see if you can get Andrew there? And um, he, he sailed through and they said, yes, they would love to have him. But it was actually at the school there that we got the diagnosis. Um, they, they couldn't do anything with him. They kept on 
having behavioural issues. I kept having to go up to the school. Um, but um, eventually, I, when I realised what we were dealing with, it was such a relief not to have uh, the guilt that I was a bad mother. Um, there was a reason, you know, which I didn't understand. And then I did everything I could to learn about the condition. Um, and I became a business advisor to a specialist Asperger College in Somerset, which helped me. And also I helped um, to start a branch of the National Autistic Society in West Wiltshire. So from adversity, there's always things we can learn. You know, we can help others through through things that we that we do that don't appear to be wonderful at the time, but will always come out well in the end. Yeah, yes, it's it's how we meet those challenges and uh, partly, I guess, how we see the world a little bit as well, Elaine, don't we? Is that that makes a big difference? I think so. Yes, and some people are always looking for the you know negatives. Um, I, I can't be like that. I've never been like that. To me, there's always, you know, if it's raining, that's great. The flowers need it. The grass needs it. You know, to come and dance in the rain. Whereas other people would say, oh, it's wet and oh, it's gloomy, you know, this, that and the other. So um, we're all different. Um, and I, I, I don't know how to be any different. You know, it's just not in my DNA. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's um, you know, whenever we can, let's let's find a way. Let's find a way, you know. And uh, you know, there's people that you know. People used to say, um, "Oh, I'm bored." I used to say, "Well, just flip your language a bit and just uh, mm -hmm. think about how you could make this more interesting," you know. And let's just play about with it as well. So, so what about you? What other challenges you've had in your life? Then you know, you've, you had a business challenge. You'd got the son. What, what any on a personal level? Um, my. Uh, business, um, what do you call it, business mentoring and interim directorship roles that I've done. I've gone in and done a lot of turnarounds, helped helping teams in particular um, to understand their dynamics and how they get on or, or they rub each other up and so on. So I'd come out of a project. I was running a, the legal department for a, a big lo local London authority. And um, I'd got 50 something lawyers and barristers and I was the managing partner. And it was a really interesting, challenging, but very rewarding project that came to an end February 2009. And um, in March 2009, I noticed a breast lump. Suffice to say that by July 2009, I'd had a mastectomy and reconstruction. So that was a big wake up call. Um, I didn't know any different at the time. Knowing what I now know, I never would have had the surgery, but that's, that's you know, we, we learn. But that's enabled me then, you know, to help other people. But I've gone on to have four different versions of cancer since then, um, and wow. including stage four. In uh, 2015, I was given less than a year to live with stage four cancer. Um, and I beat it through my personality style in 14 weeks. In 14 weeks? Mm-hmm, yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. So that was positive mindset then, was that? Yeah. Was mm -hmm. that okay? Yeah. But was that linked with treatment as well, or was it all mindset, Elaine? Um, it was mostly mindset, um, but it was a lot of natural strategies. So um I which is what I do my business now is is helping people to recover um or preferably avoid you know, nasty things like that mm. in the first place, because the, the, the solution is the same. No matter where you are on the scale, whether you're in severe crisis or whether you want to keep well, the, the solutions are the same. You just need to work harder at it when you're in crisis. So things like your diet, your nutrition, your mindset, your emotional well-being, um, oxygen levels, um, the environment you're in, positive or negative environments, all of these factors make a difference. Um, so I 
I was also born with a kidney condition, um, which wasn't detected until my early 20s. And I was put on antibiotics and checked by Harley Street specialists every six months for 23 years. And in my 40s, I was introduced to a chiropractor whose partner was a nutritionist. So 20 years ago, I learned about diet and nutrition. And, um, you know, life gets in the way and we, 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 we don't really pay much attention and, until the pain is so bad, then we have to do something. Um, and I have to say at this point, I've never been ill. Um, I've just been inconvenienced. I see my, my conditions I've had as lessons that have come to me. I've dealt with them. I've learned stuff. I've trained and I'm a trained nutritionist and biohacker. And I know a lot about the, the, the body, the blood. Um, and I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute. But um, all the information that I learned when I fixed my kidney condition. So with chiropractic care and with um, changing my nutrition, I was able to reverse the kidney disease that I was told I would have to live with for life. And it's incurable. Wow. So. So that was 20 odd years ago. So when I had my um, mastectomy and reconstruction, <clears throat> I remembered that you know I should be behaving. I put weight on as well over the years. I was just buying bigger business suits um, and kidding myself that actually you know I was because well, I looked I looked okay. I thought in a suit, but actually the suits were just getting bigger, which is ridiculous. So um, I took myself in hand and um, I remembered the, the stuff and I, I consulted natural health practitioners as well. Um, during this time, I'd see my mother start to go down the hill with a whole variety of side effects from drugs that she was uh, being given for various different conditions. And, and I made it my business to learn about these conditions um, and all of them had I known in time, you know, could have been reversed. The trouble is when people get on one medication, they then get on three. If they're on three, they get on to five and so on. I had a client the other day who'd been to the doctor. The doctor had tried many blood tests, couldn't find anything wrong, said, try this one, try that one. And she came away with seven prescriptions. And she came to me and within three weeks, I'd identified exactly what was wrong. So what I do now is get to the root cause of the problem, but it's based upon my experiences and my training and, and everything, um, particularly in the last 10 years. Well, Ellen, let's just step back a bit from when you had that, that diagnosis of, of cancer with, mm -hmm. you know, just a short time to live and 14 weeks later. Yeah. When, mm -hmm. I've just got the, what was it like when you were sat in front of a consultant then? Well, were they just disbelief? Um. <laughs> I didn't go back. Oh, um, right. I just, okay. I just, I, I got the, I got the, um, I went, I, I had a teeny, teeny bit of chemotherapy mm -hmm. um, because the, um, the chemotherapy typically doesn't work for many cancers. Um, and the evidence is out there. People can look at pubmed.com and all the evidence and science research and everything is out there. Um, it works for two to 3% of the cancers, but you don't know which two to three. And some of the targeted immunotherapies now are, are, are getting better. So please don't uh, listeners think that, you know, don't, I'm not saying don't take doctor's advice, mm. you do that, but you have to do what's right for you. So I'd done my research and for the condition I had, which was Hodgkin's lymphoma, I had an 81% chance of the chemotherapy working, which is pretty good odds. Um, so when you're faced with that um, diagnosis, I only heard, I didn't actually hear that I'd only got um, less than, than a year to live. My daughter came with me to see the consultant 
And um, she said, because I'd had pre two previous breast cancers, I had another breast cancer in, in between um, my, the, the site of my mastectomy and reconstruction. So my right breast used to be my stomach. There's actually a book I've written on, on um, it's available on Amazon called My Right Breast Used to Be My Stomach. Um, God, it's not my best work, uh, <laughs> but it is. It, um, I've, I've published, um, uh, I think it's 10 other uh, chapters I've written in other people's books and we've had some bestsellers. Um, but in that particular book is tips and tricks on what to do and how to do. But a lot of the links are now broken because I've now got better ways of doing things. And mm -hmm. um, so my right breast was taken from my stomach. I had something called a tram fat procedure. And the reason the um, I wrote the book was because there was nothing out there at the time. This is 2009. Nothing out there on the Internet about the, the surgery, what to do to prep, to recover, et cetera, et cetera. So I, um, I, I started keeping a journal, which I then turned into a book. Um, partway, I didn't publish it for a couple of years later because um, a few months after my surgery, my granddaughter died. Um, she was 17 months old and she had, um, she, uh, she had her MMR jab and um, the, she was, my, the doctors told my daughter she was one in, one, one in a million that died anyway. That's another story. So there's been a lot of stress, you know, um, behind the scenes mm. um, in, you know, in, in, in life. But it's how we deal with it. You know, we can't get away from how we deal with it. Cool. Um, so you, you, you touched on you touched on um, the blood there. You, you, you touched on yes. that a bit. Tell me more about that. Then mm -hmm. what's you do some work around that now? Yes. Yeah. So um, I've now developed a unique program which brings together our behaviours um, we see what's in our blood, so we see how our behaviour is affecting our our lifestyle, our health and well-being. Some people are natural worriers; they worry about everything. If they've got something not to worry about, they'll you know they worry. Um, or they've got people like me who are considered warriors, and there's a lot of different behaviour patterns in between. Um, and we can all rise to any challenge, but it depends how much kind of gusto we we we, we put to it. Um, so I've developed the behaviour side of things and I've got a unique programme which looks at how behaviour relates to the DISC profiles and how people can um, deal with that and to help themselves. Um, I've got the blood test. It's a finger blood test that comes home from a laboratory and you literally prick your finger, pop some blood on a couple of slides. That goes back to the laboratory and it shows exactly what's going on in the body so we can identify the root cause of the problem. And it shows what's happening in all, <clears throat> excuse me, in all of the, the bodily systems. Um, so we see pictures. So we see pictures of what things look like underneath the microscope. And um, that proves very, um, very useful to wake people up that actually maybe they've got parasites. A lot of cancer, people with cancer have underlying conditions and they're the things that stop the healing. So things like parasites, liver flukes, lymphatic stress, adrenal stress, cardiovascular problems, and we can pick all of that up on the, on the blood testing. And then the other laboratory test is hair mineral analysis, which I used when I was um, dealing with my kidney condition. So I had an uh, analysis 20 odd years ago, um, and I remembered the company and they're still trading today which is wonderful so i started using and i, and I provide that to clients now 
And that shows us the level of toxicity, heavy metal toxicity in our bodies. It shows us the individual measurements of all of the, you know, arsenic, lead, cadmium, mercury. strontium, mercury, yeah, the whole bit. So we can see what's actually in the body. Um, and then also it shows the mineral imbalances. So um, what our, our ratios are. So people think there's a lot of talk now about, oh, take calcium, uh, take the zinc, take magnesium, you know, I, I won't give any blanket advice out. The only thing I'll say is take a multi of it. That's not going to harm you. You know, it, it, it will help, but it's not going to harm you. But if you're giving, if you're taking more magnesium and your body's already got too much magnesium, you're, you're kicking out the ratios with all the other minerals and it's the ratios that's really, really important. So we show all of that on the results. So I bring all that information together. We also have a metabolic analysis, which is a detailed questionnaire, which I'm, I'm looking for the pH levels. What's your pH of your urine, pH of your saliva? Um, and even just on those two measurements, I can tell you know some things are happening in the body. So all of that I bring together and it's um, a unique program and it gets to the root cause. So people can either have all that testing and a feedback consultation with me, or they can have six months mentoring to handhold them to, you know, to change whatever they need to change. Wow. Fascinating. Now you're over in Portugal. So yes. do you do, I'm assuming you work online as well as face-to-face now. It's all on. I don't do face-to-face. It's all online. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All online. I used to run, and I used about 10 years ago, I used to run cardiovascular health clinics. So I would um, check people's likelihood of them having a heart attack or a stroke and help them to avoid that. So I've got a background in, in running you know, clinics and therapies and so on. Um, but I prefer to, um, to do everything online now because it's, it's easy. I can you know, have clients wherever and also um, enjoy a nice lifestyle over here and drink red wine, which is <laughs> good for us in moderation. And, and plenty of fish probably in Portugal as yeah, well, I guess. Fish, fish red wine, port sunshine wonderful well so how long have you been there really two years i got here literally hours before the border closed with spain i drove my car down and uh the lady i was coming to to stay with she kept phoning saying where are you where are you and she knew there was going to be a shutdown i had no idea um so we came down across the uh, on the boat drove down from santander and then into um, Portugal, right, I'm in the Algarve, so right down the very bottom. Mm-hmm. So I drove a thousand kilometers down, came over the bridge from Spain to Portugal, um, something like midnight on the Thursday evening, as nine o'clock on the Saturday morning, the, the border was shut. Goodness gracious. March wow. 2020. Wow. Right. So you've had an interesting couple of years then. <laughs> I have, yes, yes. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So, so Elaine, if people want to find out more about you and get in touch with you, because such a fascinating story and the great work that you do, how how can they do that? My email is Elaine, E L A I N E, at discplus.health. That's D I S C P L U S dot health. Elaine at discplus.health. Brilliant. Well, look, it's been fascinating talking with you, and I'm sure some of the things you've shared there will resonate with with the listeners. Uh, and because we often get the messages, I thought, "Wow, you know, I thought I'd got a few challenges in my life." You know, mm-hmm. that's been so fascinating to hear that, and um, and helping them make that positive change as well. So, thanks so much for joining us, and enjoy the rest of your day in Portugal. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Pleasure. Pleasure. 
Well, thank you for joining me on this week's Glass Half Full podcast. If you'd like to join me as a guest, then why not get in touch? You can email me at steve at stevetwynham.com. And also, if you're looking for a radio station that is that little bit different, that brings you all about well-being and happiness and personal development and great music too, then check out Yawa Radio. That's Yawa spelt Y-O-W-A-H dot co dot UK. Check out Yawa Radio, bringing that feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. So once again, thank you for joining me on today's Glass Half Full podcast. It is produced and presented by myself, Steve Twynham, and copyright applies. And whatever you're doing for the rest of your day, have the best day you possibly can. Yawa Radio, bringing the feel-good feeling to every day.